Hello, heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your host and game master. Heroes, this week we are continuing my solo star-crossed adventure. Not much to announce right now, so let's get to the show. He's currently struggling with a panel, and in his defense, they are a little bit fidgety. Here, let me help with that. I quickly walk up to the panel next to him and move in so that I can begin fiddling with the latches and typing. As I do, our hands touch for a short time. I guess before I'm doing my unintentional, my unintentional reveal, I'm going to do an unintentional touch, and I just got to pull for that. Oh, hey. Well, that's an easy pull. Somewhat ominous as this tower has been sitting undisturbed for two months. Um, but there we go. I, I can feel him standing next to me. And it feels like there is so much tightness. Maybe it's the fact that we haven't talked for a week, but... It seems like something is being held back. Is everything all right, Sam? I can feel the tension sink in tighter as I ask my question. I turn to him and look at him. He definitely seems lost in thought, almost sluggish with how he's moving. I am fine, just adjusting to the difficult schedule that we've had this week. I think it may be catching up with me. He offers me a tight smile, nods in a way that is meant to reassure. But this is another area where I see a connection between him and Zaron. Zaron was a very good liar, a diplomat. He, he had to be, but he was never very good at lying to me. Sam, I know what you look like when you're tired, uh... You've been tired pretty frequently the past week. I don't think it's that you're tired. If you're worried about, you know, diving into more today, we can kind of walk our way up to it. I'd actually like that. It would give me a chance to learn more about you. I think in this moment, I may have tipped my hand more than I intended. That is what I wanted to do. I didn't really plan on coming right out and saying it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think this is a situation where I'm sort of spitting out, like like saying the quiet part loud, spitting out the, the secret agenda. I, I think this is the poll that I had made earlier, unintentionally revealing something personal that, well, is it? Is it? Mm, maybe I should go deeper on that. This is one of the things that's interesting. I find with like the the base version of Starcross, regular Starcross, there there is a negotiation over what counts as what. And in solo Starcross, I have to negotiate with myself, um, which is more difficult. And I guess part of the reason is I am running up against the fact that I already made this move earlier and I am just trying to honor that circumstance, which is unusual and would not happen unless you ran into the very specific circumstance that I did where you had to take a long break in the middle of your game. 
when Zaron had something on his mind, I just made him talk about himself. And I think that's my unintentional reveal. It is revealing, I think, part of the conflict of this situation a little bit in that I am treating Zam in a way similar to Zaron, or I'm suggesting that that Zam step into that role a little bit. Um, I also think, you know, it, it shows the more of the depth of the relationship that I had with his brother, that I really knew him. Um, and I, I, or, or the, one of the ways in which I really knew him, um, I think there is probably this thing where Zalians are, or Zalians, I don't know how I originally pronounced it, are always grappling with the fact that with humans, even though there's technically a psychic bridge that can be created, it's really difficult. It doesn't come naturally to us. It is mostly leaning on them to open, maintain, and foster. So it kind of feels like they're always having half a conversation. Um, and I think revealing the, the nuance, uh, in which I work with like observing things and stepping around things to talk to someone who is used to having other methods of communication does surprise him a little bit. So let's pull another brick from that tower or no, I guess this brick would have already been pulled. Okay. Brick would have already been pulled from the past time that, that I marked it off. He regards me with a little bit of surprise. There is, there's definitely a crack in his more reserved demeanor. The very hints of something that I've only been able to see a couple times from Zam. A true smile, a playful smile. I decide to press my advantage. What's so funny? Nothing. Uh, it is, I have been the bearer of many of shard of my brother's soul. I talked to many people, uh, e even those who were quite close to him in life. He is always spoken of in such reverent tones. Uh, there are not many who would reference the fact that he liked to boast. I laugh, and I think I laugh because, because of how reserved Zam is, even in this moment where we've revealed something that we both knew about his brother that was a little embarrassing. I mean, Zaron was, for the most part, entitled to it. He was an interesting person and led a really interesting life. It was admittedly very easy to get him to tell stories about himself, but I think, I think all those stories were interesting. It's one of the reasons, Zam, that I was hoping we would get started by you telling me a story about you. I can tell he looks surprised. Maybe it's the fact that he's gotten used to using his face more in human company, but he does seem very expressive in this moment. I am not sure what it is you would like to know. Uh, my life was nothing like my brother's. Uh, I had a very traditional upbringing without the possibilities for 
adventures that, that my brother was afforded. And even those he did have to fight and, and claw for, and that was never my style. I have studied Zalian culture well enough. Again, I was emissary to a diplomat. One thing I know about your culture is it's very different. I, I think you would be surprised by the things that I find interesting as mostly an outsider. I understand your instinct to be polite, uh, but I assure you there is nothing so interesting about the life that I have led thus far. It has mostly been in study, academic research, uh, both things that I signed away my life to do, and I mean signed away in the gentlest terms possible. I say this tapping on the logo on my chest. I am sure you've done something that is of interest to yourself. I promise it will be of interest to me. I try to coax Zam with more gentle playfulness, really wanting to drive at this thing that has felt hidden, which is any real scrap of himself that is outside of Zaron. And I think this is a moment where likely we're going to see some an intentional reveal from Zam here. Zam, I don't think reacts angry, but I think he reacts stiffly. I can see Zam once again tighten up, draw away from me a bit. I'm not sure what to make of it. He's clearly gathering his thoughts. This process is difficult, and I imagine confusing for one who is not from my world. I am to know how you knew my brother, and I realize that there is some resemblance in our features, and perhaps even voices, general, at least culturally informed demeanor, but we are different. You don't need to know details of my life for me to complete my mission to stop imposing on the hospitality of, of you and your fleet and, and, and frankly, upon your, your patience. You do not need to pretend. I feel taken aback by that. It's a difficult thing to process. It feels like an accusation, but more than that, beneath that, it's an expression of hurt. Um, and yeah, this is Zam revealing uh, intentionally that he feels as though this process is making me conflate him with his brother and, you know, revealing that that is hurtful and difficult and also re revealing that he has this anxiety that I don't see or understand him. So let's get a poll going. That tower is so delicate right now. I, I do not like it. I don't know how many polls it has left in it. I back away from playfulness. I try to set my face in, into a, as serious a mask as I can summon. This, this is important. And, and from what I know of Zalian communication, I do think this could affect 
what work he is trying to do here. Zam, I am not pretending. No part of any of this has been me pretending. Not the time that I spent with your brother. Not the time that I am spending with you. I am doing this for so many reasons. It's not even just hospitality. It's it's the, the mission itself is to make sure that you feel that you are being respected, that you know that any relations you have with the fleet uh, with me are serious ones that we care about. And apart from the importance of the ritual, which I do deeply respect, and the, the mission of my fleet, which I also respect, I care about you as a person. You are someone who loved someone that I loved. In a more perfect world, we would have met each other under happier circumstances. And in those circumstances, Zam, I would want to know you. I want to be able to ask you for something that I don't feel is very delicate. It doesn't have to be personal, but I do want to feel like I know the person that I have been talking to over these many weeks. I don't think this is a new reveal. I, I think this is the same reveal that I have made earlier, um, if that makes sense. So I, I'm, I'm not pulling anything for that right now, but I do see a potential pull, though I am going to say that this falls into abstract territory. I feel if Alex was in the room with me, I might have to make a case for this uh, because what I want to do is a little bit metaphysical because I've already used my intentionally reveal something personal, but there is something that I wrote down on my character sheet uh, that I want to pick up on. Uh, something that I don't realize uh, is attractive. I wrote down eagerness when our minds touch your earnestness makes me see value in myself. I want to pull that out into the fore in this scene. I don't know how to communicate to you that that is really what I want. Apart from, apart from telling you right now, reach out and touch me in my mind. See what I mean? Am I going to go for a twofer here? I am doing the intentionally touching the lead and the thing that I am arguing for is that reaching out to touch with my mind is a form of physical touch. That Zalians exist within a physical body, but also they have a psychic body and a psychic space. And that moving your mind to touch a Zalian's mind is this a different kind of touch. Um and I think with this, I am actually like opening the channel the way I would open the channel with, with Zaron when, when our minds touched, the way where there were brief touches in the past between me and Zam I have done. And that is like reaching out for a touch. I do think the, the other, there needs to be another side to the touch. And this is where I say I'm, I'm going for two here. I think... I am going to have the lead 
um, intentionally, I'm going to have Zam intentionally touch Sam here. I see Zam reach out. His hand is gentle. I have gestured with my mind, with, with my spirit towards him, inviting him. Or at least that's what I am pretty sure I am doing. It's hard without, without whatever it is Zalians have that provides that bridge. I know I've done it before and I feel that I'm doing my part now. Zam reaches out to touch my face. This is something that Zaron had done in the past. Initially, to open the bridge between us when he didn't even realize he was doing it. Zam is intending, but there is almost the same surprised hesitance in his move, both to make contact with my skin and make contact with my mind. When I feel the touch of his mind on the radius of my own, I push into it. And so, I am drawing a brick for an intentional touch uh, for a uh, for, for Zam onto Sam and uh, also from S Sam back to Zam. I cannot believe I have done this to myself with these names. But yes, I am intentionally touching the lead with my mind. Let's handle those pulls first because I said... This is a shaky, fragile tower, and it has been that way for two months. God, moving that first brick, like the entire top side of the tower just moves back and forth like, like a rocking horse. It's crazy. Whew. Wow. I just barely pulled that off. Uh, I feel like there's a chance that we're going out in scene five here. But let's get into talking about touching, shall we? I feel Zam's fingers on my face. His thumb presses lightly against my cheek, while his fingers just barely begin to wrap around the back of my neck. His hands are much softer than his brother's. Zam has all of Zaron's sharpness, with none of his roughness. Still, his touch feels strong. I know that if I wanted, he would be able to support my head if I were to lean into him. But I reach forward with my mind, and I place my intentions and my understandings at the forefront. I know enough about Zalian communication to know how to summon myself forward. It is part of the shorthand that I had developed with Zaron that made our working relationship so easy. But instead of work or trying to communicate a complex plan in a desperate moment, I instead place Zam in my mind. Try to hold what I have of him. Try to make Zam understand what I have seen. And that is... A person who has gone out of his way to do something very difficult and painful because that is right by his culture, his brother, and his own beliefs. 
that in him I have seen someone who possesses, yes, a similar nobility to his brother, but also one that is entirely different and on its own, that Zam is an insistent force within a respectful boundary. Zaron had no problem charging past things, bending them, even breaking them. It is one of the things that made him an asset in life-or-death situations. But Zam, even feeling insecurity when he is deep in the throes of a cultural obligation, is exactly the sort of person who will make sure that my daily work priorities are seen to, and seen to in a way that not just sees those obligations fulfilled, but sees them spiritually engaged with. His hesitation around finishing work early so that we could take time for him and his needs, that was because, I believe, he couldn't for a second imagine leaving someone with the impression that he didn't respect them. There is more as well. I realize it as I'm offering it up. It's that I also see someone who feels that they are ignored or overlooked, that, that they have reason to think that no one could love them because they already love someone else. And inside, through my mind, I offer the intention to embrace that. This person, this brother of a hero, who was thrust out of a life of quiet study and into obligations laid out by a person who felt like, who, who you've cultivated the belief that was so much more than you. A part of me that is very tender understands that, understands the difficulty of that journey and the loneliness, especially when that special person who has unintentionally thrust you into this difficult position is gone and missed by so many that their expectations are so vast feels like they could never be lived up to that all of this pain is something that must stay quiet that can never be seen or held because it couldn't be understand because it couldn't be understood i touch his mind and let him know that I see that. And yes, that is, when our minds touch, your earnestness makes me see value in myself. I think this is Zam really being touched in a way that, like, words don't work. No matter how honestly or earnestly you try to communicate with someone, there is no way you can fully inject your soul into some words. There has to be a halfway point where somebody is open enough to be able to receive those words, and that just doesn't always happen. But through sci-fi nonsense, through the magic of sci-fi nonsense, Sam is able to offer this through his mind without those protections in a way that is undeniable, especially for a non-Zalian to communicate this way.
Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, we've got lots of exciting things coming out this week. It is a new Star Wall week, and there is a new episode of Sky Joust over on the Sky Joust feed. I also have a new book on the way. The Ultimate RPG Game Master's Guide is a truly in-depth manual of my thoughts on GMing. I break down a lot of essential skills, some of the mechanics happening behind the game, and I teach you how to take advantage of techniques that I use to GM games on this very show and many others. The Ultimate RPG Game Master's Guide is available anywhere books are sold, but of course it's best to pick them up from an indie brick and mortar store or your friendly local game store. Just head to bit.ly slash ultimate game master or bit.ly slash game master RPG and you'll be able to find a list of all the online retailers as well. I hope you enjoy, heroes. As always, a huge thank you to everyone who supports us over on Patreon. If you'd like to help bring this show to your ears, head over to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast and sign up now. Like I said earlier, we have a new episode of Star Wall on the way as a thank you. And I am preparing some other bonus treats that should be coming up in the next few weeks. Thanks to everyone who signed up already and everyone who's going to sign up in the future. Now then, a quick word from our sponsor... And with all that out of the way, let's get back to the show. I think Zam is kind of overwhelmed by by the moment of like, this is somebody who, you know, normally can't speak at all. And they they choose to speak in this this really clear and definable way. And it is this deep compliment and and validation about who you are what you've been doing and what you've been going through perhaps i owe you an apology i feel the faintest touch towards the back of my neck zam moves his finger in a gesture that is so small it is nearly imperceptible but not to me not to one who has been touched by his alien before. Not to someone who understands how much can be meant in a small gesture. When I first came to you, I did not know what it would mean to try and perform this ritual with one who is, who is not a kind of kin. There are many who, who insisted that it could not be done. Far, far be it for me to doubt my brother's writings. It's just, it was difficult to believe. And I have felt your mind before, reaching before. But it was I drawing back from you. Uh, this might be too much of a reveal, actually, because I already did. No, wait, no, wait. I, I do get to reveal something personal. Ha ha, never mind. I forgot I only did the touch with Zam. It became clear very quickly in our time together. Sorry, I, I have the Jenga tower off to the side, um, so I need to reach my uh, arm out to touch it, and it does get tired while I gather my thoughts. It became clear very quickly that not only would the ritual be possible, but, but that Zaron's admiration for you was quite well-grounded. He wrote of you as a passionate and perceptive person. I think the idea of being seen 
by such a person. I think it was too much for me to bear all at once. But perhaps now it is time. Time to acknowledge who you are and, I suppose, who I am. Okay. That's an intentional reveal. And one of the reasons that I know that that's an intentional reveal, feel extremely confident about that being an intentional reveal, is if the tower falls down when I pull a brick, it makes sense. It makes sense that somebody acts on their feelings there. Um, yeah. Doesn't matter what brick you move. The entire tower shifts in, in just the worst ways. But we made it. We made it another pull. Whew. I think there is some real shock settling into me hearing Sam's words. I think there was shock in what I managed to summon up in my own mind to touch him. Neither of us expected the 30 or so minutes that we were able to steal together to be... to be ones that would bear the weight of these words. So I smile in a way that I think is encouraging. Well, then let's talk. And we are going to... Uh, call scene there and we'll move on to the next scene uh for folks at home keeping score this is my favorite scene in star-crossed uh it's the one where i think i've had more towers fall during scene five uh than anywhere else which also means that i've had my heart broken by more tragedies than really any other result in star-crossed this is close quiet, and alone. How warm or cold is your character at the beginning of this scene, and why? And a strange new thought occurs to you during this scene. What is it? Oh, those are absolutely delicious. I think especially in the context of what we just established. Like, we talked about kind of the sparking of the mental bridge between these characters and the way that, you know, framing this through, I, I think, something that will be more familiar to more people, uh, a lens like autism, uh, where you have these different levels of communication. You have like the the what words people are saying and that being like the kind of direct intentional type of communication. Then you have like nonverbal cues and social graces that get inc incorporated into things like it makes communication in some cases more clear uh, if, if you're holistic. But, you know, if you're autistic, it, it makes things way less clear um, and, and harder to parse. And I kind of think a psychic species and a non-psychic species, like interacting with each other, there is almost a level of that disconnect where there is like I'm communicating on the levels that I know about and, you know, first of all, it might have uh, just created different social graces for the psychic race. Like they're just being less um, nonverbal cues because you're you're leaning more on psychic cues and whatnot. And we've already seen a little bit of that from Sam. But there is also like if you can sort of pierce into that veil, if you're given the ability to understand those cues and manipulate them a little bit, there is 
like, I, I guess, like, opening up to feel exposed in different ways. Um, that's kind of what I see happening here between these characters, where you just have a very unpracticed view of your own ability to communicate. And now that the bridge, like, you know, sparked a little bit, but like is actually created during these sessions together, I, I think there is just so much less that is actually going to be able to be hidden. Um, but let's focus on the physical realities uh, that we are creating here, because how warm or cold is your character at the beginning of this scene is so important. We already know that there is a difference in body heat between these characters that uh, Zam uh, and Zalians in general run hot. Uh, so the room that they share together has been hot. And I am trying to decide how I want to do this. I, I think I am going to return us to the quarters that we share together. That feels most appropriate for close, quiet, and alone because it is also private. And like I said, you know, things things can get revealed uh, in, in this scene. So I am going to say at the beginning of this scene, I'm going to go for cold. I think there is just a problem with the heating system on the ship. You know, uh, things happen in engineering in Star Trek all the time. Uh, we're always diverting power from one system to another system, uh, cobbling things together to make things work, to get like super Star Trek-y on it. Like energy is like this wild resource that moves about the ship and can be focused onto particular tasks at the cost of other tasks. Um, I and, and in a lot of circumstances, you can use that, manipulate that to make the ship do things that it normally can't. Those are some of the really cool heroic moments in, in Star Trek where they're like, oh, yeah, we pulled all of our power away from shielding and whatnot so that we could put it into the engines and, you know, make this this jump at a faster speed or whatnot. I think this is a point where we have signed on for exactly that type of gambit. Um, and it might be since we were just doing this service action for... Uh, you know, a planet that's within, I think, I think I called it a union. I'm pretty sure I called it a union. I should really stick to that name convention. Since we, we pulled this for like this other union planet, I kind of feel like we just need a distribution of our resources to another place as quickly as possible. And what I'll say, our smaller class of ship, like we are the only ship that is non-essential enough in at the core of these efforts that is also technically capable of making this run at the speed that it needs to be made. The thing that has to happen, though, is you need to sacrifice something engineering-wise. And uh, it was a volunteer mission on top of that. Like, the entire ship had to vote on whether or not they were in for this because what it meant was, like, I want to say, like, two days of high speed warp travel, but things like a heating system would not be like 100% functional. I think 
right now uh, enough energy is being pulled that people are like having to wear like winter jackets, um, probably replicator rations uh, are being distributed in an interesting way. I'll bet we had to replicate all of our food for this trip in advance and actually hold it in in some kind of storage uh, because that is how much we have to ration the power to hit the speed we need to hit. It was something that I think our engineering department, department like proposed as something that is technically possible. And I think it's just something that everybody on the crew was like, yeah, you know, our ship may not be the biggest ship. It may not have engines that are even designed for this, but we are committed to the mission. And we know that sometimes that means keeping the bigger ship and like all of its personnel power here on this planet while we run these essential supplies over to this other planet. Um, and so everybody signed up for like a really uncomfortable two-day trip that like starts out pretty uncomfortable, but like we're we're knocking on the door that second day now, and it is actually quite cold uh, uh, here throughout the ship. You know, everybody is having to like also work extra hard because I think like just the li the lifts only work only barely so people are sleeping closer to their workstations if that's possible uh they're actually like using um uh ladders and whatnot to move about the ship as like most non fully essential systems just have to be shut down and i am in a position where i am the primary point of contact for this Zalian diplomat, this important Zalian diplomat doing this important cultural mission. And we were keeping the room as warm as possible to make him comfortable. And, you know, let's just say that the chips in the fleet are built well. So the rooms are even internally insulated. Uh, you know, every room technically has the ability to like be airtight in case there's damage to the ship. All of these things that uh, are security and safety protocols, but there's only so much heat retention you can have. And our first night was like a little uncomfortable, but tonight is really uncomfortable. Um, our bed is piled high with blankets. Um, I think it is piled high with blankets in part because, because I probably had to do some kind of cold planet mission with Zaron in the past. And I know that uh, although my body temperature runs lower than Zam's, uh, like cuddling for warmth is going to help him because uh, I've definitely helped Zaron that way in the past. So I, like I knew that I needed to get these blankets replicated um, beforehand. And this is something I think that Zam uh, living his gentle scholarly life beforehand, he's never really gone in for this. He he has never had to sleep at a temperature that would actually be uncomfortable. And I think right now he's trying to put on a, a, a bold face. I will, uh, I will describe that soon, but I do want to make sure that I get to 
the other prompt for this scene, which is, a strange new thought occurs to you during this scene. What is it? Um, I thought about this while I was thinking about all the other stuff, um, especially with the way that psychic communication would make you feel exposed. Um, uh, I don't know if anybody's listened to the Limetown podcast. It's a it's a kind of horror thriller podcast that I have mixed feelings about overall. But I think the middle section of it had a truly fascinating um, speculative sci-fi piece of there being this form of technology that allows people to like communicate by thought and how that changes communication shorthand for community and the ways in which thoughts that we have little to no control over, if those are exposed, how that has to change the way we see and interact with each other and, and the offenses that we take and whatnot, um, which is all build up to say, I think this scene is the first time that Sam imagines having sex with Zam. Um, I think that, uh, <laughs> I think that like when you are in a situation where, you know, previously they had just been in the same bed and they're struggling with the fact that like, this is for the ritual. And this is also what Starfleet can afford to, to give in terms of space on the ship. Um, they have to be in the same bed together, but last night they were in the same bed with more of the motivation to, to stay warm and, and stay in contact with one another. So I think last night was pretty awkward. Um, I also think that there is not much to do during the day, during like a, a sprint run uh, trip like this. Like you are technically like most workstations are shut down, but despite all of that free time, we have not had time to engage in the ritual. And I think deeper as we get into it, the more our contact is important. So tonight is a night where because we're going to be in bed together, because we are going to be uh, depending, or, or because Zam is going to be depending on me to help him stay warm, and that will make him comfortable enough that he can engage in the ritual, like we're going to be close and connected in a lot of intense ways. And this is something that has kind of been eating at me all day throughout our duties. So... I am carrying around like this anxiety over what tonight is going to be because I keep imagining being in the arms of or having my arms around this, this objectively beautiful alien. You know, he, he like, he looks good. He, his brother might have been like a roguish space prince or whatever, and he, he thinks of himself like as, as a doughy academic, but like he's got these eyes and his hands are so beautiful and graceful. And like I am in a position where like I'm here 
for the ritual. I'm here for my job. I am here for the safety of this person. But I also know that like you can't help these thoughts in certain ways. Like they, they sometimes can mean things. And, and oftentimes, you know, having a kind of fantasy about something uh, about someone doesn't mean anything at all. Like you, you have all sorts of surprising fantasies and, and things come to you in dreams and whatnot. It is different. And there is a double baggage of like, I know that if it comes up, well, I am sharing a bridge with them that may very well be exposed to him. And I think it's complicated about that for a couple different reasons. And I think one of them is, I, I mean, I, I am acknowledging, I think at this point, like Sam has to acknowledge that he does have some feelings in here for Sam, especially after having that conversation with Sam, getting to know him more as a person, like the, the gravity of that intimacy and like the regularity of opening up uh, the psychic bridge between them, like has generated a closeness that is hard to ignore. Um, I don't know that Sam has like really accepted that it's a, it's a full on crush yet, but it's, you know, it might just be him making a bunch of excuses at this point. But I think there's a part of him that feels tender and delicate about that urge or instinct or whatever that, that, that creates those thoughts being exposed and then also not taken seriously. I think there was this period very early in the relationship between Sam and Zaron where Sam had fallen head over heels for Zaron in a way that was like kind of unignorable. Um, but Zaron is also, you know, the handsome space prince adventurer. He's used to people falling head over heels for him. Um, and he's used to also having this weird dynamic where people would have these feelings and those would be exposed to him in ways that those people could not comprehend, could not understand. So there was, it wasn't a rejection, but like, I think there was a moment where Zaron actually like, mentioned this and mentioned it in a way where he thought he was being gentle and delicate of like going, Hey, don't worry about that. Don't, don't think about that. This is normal. It's natural. It happens all the time between people. Even if I, you know, notice it or feel it, it's not going to change the, the dynamic, the working dynamic that we have together because People think this way. And sometimes having someone tell you not to worry about your feelings uh, can feel so bad because it really feels like they are not taking those feelings seriously, <laughs> even when they're trying to be so, so very kind. Um, I think there's an element of that there. So I am... Um, Feeling this 
nervousness because I don't want to be exposed. Um, but I also don't want to have the feeling of being exposed, uh, be treated lightly either. Like it might not be on a conscious level, but Sam is like a little bit fearful of that, a little bit protective of that. Yeah, so it's going to be a complicated storm as we sit down for this scene. This episode of One Shot uses music from the following artists. Set Sail by Matteo Galisi. This episode of One Shot was edited and sound designed by Tracy Barnett. You can find more of their work online anywhere at The Other Tracy. As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest one-shot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod, or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at GameMaster at OneShotPodcast.com. OneShot is a production of the OneShot Podcast Network, in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at P-A-R-A-C-O-S-M-Press.com. Finally, that music which is right now swelling up over my voice is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes. Heroes.